The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. This morning, um, Pastor Jason and Pastor Lisa are out of town. Um, and so we have, we have the, the special honor and privilege of being joined by um, Pastor Derek Owen. Uh, he came to open house a couple of weeks ago, uh, as many of you did, and he signed up for the ex- very exclusive dream team of Pastor Jason's fishing buddy. And, and so just so you know, that, that's only a single person role, uh, and he took it. So I'm, if you were planning on I'm, it's it's gone. Um, but as well, he serves, we are, we are part of the New Mexico Ministry Network of, of churches here, specifically in New Mexico, and he serves um, in a new position uh, to him as our assistant network pastor, which means he pretty much just tries to help anywhere and everywhere that he possibly can, and already is doing an amazing job at it. Will you help me welcome this morning, Pastor Derek Owen. Thanks, Tyler. Well, good morning. I want to say, number one, thank you for having us. Thank you for welcoming us, not only to Albuquerque, but to your church family. Uh, You've probably seen my wife and my boys around. Gail, wave at everybody. Guys, wave at everybody. This is Gail and Dylan and Creed, and we moved to Albuquerque July 1st, and we're going to be here with you as often as possible. And so uh, thanks for being an incredible church family, everybody. Give your neighbor a big round of applause. Yeah. It would not even make sense for me to begin this morning without telling a Pastor Jason story. Do you think? I've had the privilege of being Pastor Jason's fishing buddy, as Tyler said it, for a few years now, and it's been an amazing experience. Um, You've seen the pictures of Jason holding those big fish. I took those pictures. I probably netted the fish for him, and the bigger ones that got away, I knocked off the net. So there you go. And if, if you know, he keeps out fishing me, he'll have more knocked off the net, if you know what I mean. But I, I, I want to I tell you, I, I, I love hanging out with your pastors, and uh, Pastor Jason and Lisa, their entire family, just an incredible, incredible group of people. And I'm so, I'm so excited that we're now just down the road from them. Literally, when I go home in the evenings, I see, I can look over my shoulder and see if Jason and Lisa are home. You know, we're that close. And uh, it's, it's going to be a great time. But, but I've been all over the world with Pastor Jason, and I've learned so much from him. He's really my best friend. And I'll just tell you, it is a joy to walk through life with him. How many of you got a good best friend? If you don't, and your neighbor had, your hand, had their hand up, they're taken. Sorry. It's just how it is. But uh, I, I, I've, had, I've had so much fun doing all sorts of crazy, adventurous things with Jason. But one of, one of, the, one of the top of, of our lives, I'm, I'm, I believe this to be true, is a few years ago, I, I actually drew a, a sheep hunt in New Mexico, a Rocky Mountain Bighorn sheep hunt. And it was an incredible experience. And I took Pastor Jason with me. I'm like, you've got to be on this hunt with me. And, and we rode. We, we were leaving camp one morning at about 4 o'clock in the morning. And at 4 in the morning in the mountains, it's still really dark. 
I don't know how dark it is at your house at 4 a.m., but it, it, where we were in the Pecos wilderness, it was dark and it was raining and it had been raining all night. So everything was soaking wet and we were, we were getting our stuff together and we were going to get on horses and go up the mountain to the top and way above tree line. And we were going to, we had found a sheep the day before that wanted to go in and, and, and hunt and, and all these things were coming together and Jason gets on a horse and starts to, we start to leave camp and Jason's horse didn't want to leave camp. I don't know how much of a cowboy you think your pastor is, but he's just below that. Okay. It didn't help that his horse, the saddle that he was riding only had one stirrup. So to paint this picture, I want you to understand, we had to leave camp and ride up the mountain on a trail about three feet wide. And to the left of us, off the trail, was was a rock face that probably, it it started low, but by the time we got to the top of the mountain, probably about a 200 foot drop. It's dark. You can't see anything. I mean, it's dark like the inside of a cow. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you can't see anything in front of your face. We had headlamps on. So the only thing that you were seeing is an occasional flash of bright light in your eyes. It was a little disorienting. It was raining and we're going up the mountain. And the next thing I know is that the pack horse in front of me starts pitching and kicking my horse in the face. Pastor Jason is right behind me. And his horse gets excited. I'm trying to turn into the trees. But again, we're three feet wide on this trail. And I can't get my horse to move. And all of a sudden, Pastor Jason's horse takes the wrong step. And his horse steps with its back hooves to the left off of the trail. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Don't get off the horse. Because I knew if he got off the horse, the horse would probably knock him off the cliff. And I didn't want to have to tell Lisa and the girls where his body was while I finished my sheep hunt. (laughs) Priorities, ladies and gentlemen. This is a once in a lifetime moment. Pastor Jason cowboyed up, if you would, and he threw his arms around that horse's neck and he held on for dear life. And we finally got the horse back up on the trail, somehow pawing and working. They know how to protect themselves. How many of you know? And he stayed safe and all is well. But he, this is the part that's going to be crazy for you to believe. For the next hour to an hour and a half, He could not speak a word. Hey, Jason, you all right back there? Nothing. So I pulled up. I get back. You okay? Nothing. We get to the top of the mountain. I ride up beside him and I said, hey, man, seriously, are you are you all right? He said, I think I became a man today. 
love your pastor. How many of you love your pastor? Come on. Give him a hand, everybody. Yes. <laughs> and we love doing life. We'll do it big. You'll see. You'll see Jason and Derek do a lot of things around. You'll see, you'll see us go on adventure. You'll see us do things. Because life's too short not to have fun. And it's too short to stay in our little bubble of, of careful, right, everybody? But we want to we wanna run to the outer edges of what God has for us and uh, really explore. I want to I start this morning by sharing a little story from history. I think it's just an, an incredible story. Um, there's a man in history, but a, just a remarkable human being. You may, have know, you may know who he is by, by the name of Viktor Frankl. How many of you have ever heard of Viktor Frankl? Of course you have. He wrote a book. And in fact, besides the Bible, outside, other than the Bible, this book is ranked as the number one read book on the planet. And it's called Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning. I can't encourage you to read it enough. It is an incredible book. And it's an interesting book because of where it began to play out. This book, Viktor Frankl, his, he, he was a practicing, practicing psychologist, and he began to write a manuscript sort of of his life. And he, 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 was, he was in that time of World War II, and he, was, he had written this out, and he was afraid that he was going to get caught. So what he did is he had that manuscript actually taped to his body underneath his clothes. He's a Jewish man, and as would have it, the, the Nazis captured him, put him on a train. He, along with his entire family, bound for a concentration camp. He knew the reality that was happening, that when you got off the train, this would take place. There would be two lines. One line... The one line was there that if you were able and fit and strong and, and able to continue to do work, they put you in that line. Healthy enough to do some work for them. The other line meant that you, meant you were to immediately go to the gas chamber. Viktor Frankl watched as his family was torn apart. He was placed in the line to go to work. His entire family was placed in the line to never be seen again. Victor Frankl, in this moment of desperation, is crying out to God, God, don't let this happen. But he watches as these horrible people drag his family off to never see them again. He's sent to the other line and he's devastated the entire time. As you can obviously imagine, obviously distraught. And then they do something that would further rub his face in the wound. They decided to tell all of them that went to that line to go to the, concentr- to the, to the work line, you must now strip yourself of the clothing that you have. In doing so, he knew that his life's work would be lost. Not only was his family taken from him, But everything that he had worked for was now about to be gone. They surely found those writings and they took those from him. And at that that point, he says in his book, I didn't want to live any longer. 
After my family was stripped away from me, now all of my life's work as well, I, I just simply didn't want to. He went into his what? His cave. We've been talking about coming out of the cave. Victor Frankel has a cave moment. They take them. They take those clothes away from them. Then they march them into another place. There were a big pile of clothes and they told him now put on clothes that other people that had just gone to the gas chamber took off. You put those clothes on. So they're not new clothes, they're old clothes. They're not his clothes, they're someone else's clothes. Come on. So he picks up some random clothes out of the pile and he puts them on and he tells them, he tells in his book that when he puts them on, he puts his right hand down into the pocket of the pants that he put on, and in it he feels a, a, a little torn piece of paper. He pulls, pulls out that little torn piece of paper, and it's ripped in two, but on it is what, in the Jewish faith, they would call the Shema. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It's something that every Jewish boy would have, Jewish boy and girl would have known and prayed every morning and every evening. But it's just a portion of that passage of scripture. And it simply said these two words, the Lord, the Lord. And in his greatest time of need, in the darkest part of his life. He would recite what he'd known as a young boy all his life, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he says, I can't describe it to you, reading from his book. Here I am, knowing that my family has been sent to their death. My life's work has all been lost. But just getting those two words out of the pocket of another dead man's pants that read, the Lord made my soul come alive. He said that whole outlook, he said my whole outlook changed. When I read those two words, the Lord, the Lord knew that I would be standing here. The Lord knew what my future destiny would be. The Lord knew. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what Pastor Jason was talking about last, last week when he talked about the transformation of our mind, right? The transformation of our life. When we allow the Lord to take over, when we allow the Lord to lead us, when we allow the Lord, when we place ourselves not in the confines of our own, of our own hands for our own future, but when we follow the Lord, right? When we get out of the cave and we're, we're, we're tempted to go back in, we're going to have to have some Lord moments. Come on, church. We're going to have to, we're going to have to lean in here. And I, and as I look around society today, I watch people who often they, they've, they've lost hope. And the reality is, is when we've lost hope, we've often forgotten the Lord, the Lord. Can we pray together before we jump in? Heavenly father, what an incredible day that you've given us to turn once again to your word for inspiration and encouragement for direction. God, we just ask that your presence be with us, that you would lead everything that happens here today, that every word spoken, God will be sent from you to impact the lives of people here and watching as well. God, we love you so much. We're honored. God, thank you for allowing me today.
to speak to these fine people. Would you, would you speak through me in Jesus' name? Amen? You're born with only two fears. Do you know that? The, the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Every other fear in your life was learned. The fear of the dark is a, is a learned fear. You, you in fact, you, you were in darkness for a few months prior to being born. Hello? Right? You were used to things. But those are the two fears that we've all, we've all come into this world with. And, and maybe you should have, maybe we should have come with, with the fear of falling off a mountain. I don't know. But what I want to point you to this morning is that there's hope. And, and, and when, we're, when, we're, when we feel like we're in this cave of dysfunction in our thoughts or our attitudes, our, whatever might be attacking us from any angle in this life, I'm just, I'm just here to tell you that God the Lord is with you. That he's with you. In the Old Testament, you, you know the story. There, there are 12 people that God uses as spies to infiltrate the promised land to bring back a report to the Israelites who were on their journey to step into the future that God had prepared for them so long ago. And scripture says that out of the 12, there were only two that weren't overcome by what? By fear. So, so that means that 10 of them led the people into years of aimless wandering. Two of them would have led them into the promised land. Would there have been battles? Of course. But guess what? There were still battles years later. Right? So some fears kept them trapped. And, and I'm just telling you, fear costs us. Fear will cost you. So today, we're going to look at fear. And we're going to look at it as very serious. The number one fear that we deal with, especially when faced during a crisis in our mental health, is the fear of the future. The fear of the future. We have a fear of the future. If we're ever going to stay out of the cave, we've got to allow God, the Lord, to lead us. Hello? Why are we so afraid of the future? What makes us afraid of the future? Well, I can tell you what made Pastor Jason afraid of the next step that horse was going to take. Right? Because he had seen... As we travel into that location, what that looked like upon that rock cliff face, and if that horse took the wrong step, he and the horse would be at the bottom. I understand that. I understand his... It was very... Everybody there, no one gave him a hard time about being scared. Until now, now all of you can give him a hard time. But one of the reasons we, we have fear about the future is we don't know what it's going to bring. We just don't know. It's an, it's an unknown. Even our best forecasts are educated guesses, right? Nobody really knows what's going to happen. Mankind, we can do all sorts of amazing things. We can, we can transplant organs. We can send people to the moon, right? We can do all these things, but we can, you, none of you in this room can tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. That's just where we are, and we have to trust something in the process. And it doesn't matter how smart you are. It's an educated guess about what's going to take place. So I want to give you some facts about your future this morning. 
Some facts about your future. Number one, God knows everything that's going to happen. Right? If you want something that's going to keep you out of the cave, the realization of knowing that God himself knows what's ahead can surely help. Right? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. God sees it all. He knows it all. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by the past or the present. He sees the past, present, and future all at the same time, right? It'd be like you getting in the blimp and going up above the Thanksgiving Day parade, right? And you could see the beginning of the parade, the middle of the parade, and the end of the parade all at the same time, right? Now, people there with the best seats at the parade can only see what? What's ahead of them? But God sees differently than we do. And when we trust the Lord, he has a perspective different than we have. And he can see what we can't see. That's why the leadership of the Lord in our life is so vitally important. God knows what's ahead for you. Therefore, as God is preparing you, he's, he's building within your life some, some things, some tools. He's giving you some things to be able to face what's ahead. So important. This is so vitally important. But, but, but it, it's, it's, it's amazing to see how oftentimes when we get bound in our thinking specifically and in fear of what is ahead, what takes place? We start, we start kind of circumventing God. We start making decisions that are outside his plan for our future. And all of a sudden, we take matters into our own hands. Anybody ever done that other than me? Right? Number two, God has a plan for my future. Well, obviously he does. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Very famous passage of scripture. Right, you probably have it written somewhere in your home. Thomas Kincaid did it somewhere. You bought it. It's on your house. It's in your house. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not only to har- not not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If you would circle those things, prosper, hope, and future. This is telling us that God has done a lot of thinking about your future. The Lord has thought of you. Isn't that awesome? That God's thought more about your future than you have. I promise you that. A lot more. He's thought this thing through and he has plans. But here's the thing. That powerful verse, as incredible as it is, is almost always used out of context. Because of the context of that verse, at that time, God spoke it into existence. Was, he was speaking that to the nation of Israel and they were in captivity. <laughs> Well, that doesn't seem real awesome, God. Thanks. I have a plan for your future. By the way, you're in shackles, right? It's like Viktor Frankl learning what's for lunch. He really, really wouldn't have cared. Come on. They weren't in Israel. They were in the land that God was calling them 
into, they were, go, they were going to be leaving the land that God was calling them and going to that place, but they weren't there. It says right here in the middle of the darkest, darkest time. Listen, they were in this cave experience in their lives. And, and I, I'm just here to tell you, God, if you give him an opportunity, he will give you hope along the journey, right? He'll give you hope. And we need that kind of hope. He says, I've given you hope. I've given you a future. See, life doesn't have to be perfect when we serve a God that is. Right? Can I miss God's plan for my life? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever missed God's plan for your life? Yes. People miss God's plan all the time. Millions of people go through life and miss God's plan completely. You'd miss it through apathy, right? Just not caring. Arrogance, you know better. How many of you have played that before? Well, I know, what, I, know, I know what I need to do. God's leading you in a direction. Oh, no, that can't be, the, that can't be right. Right? I don't know if you've ever thought of it, but maybe being ignorant is part of God's plan. You just come into the realization that I don't always know. But God knows. And his plan's a good one. So I'm going to trust in that. It's your choice to either get in and cooperate with the plan of God or miss God's plan for your life. I don't, who's with me today that would say, I don't want to miss God's plan for my life? I just don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And here, here's, here's the hard thing. Here's what you have, to, you have to follow that with is this. I don't care what your plan is for me. That's the tough part. Because everybody likes, God's got a plan for me. Right? I grew up in church scared to death every time a missionary came. God was going to send me to some place. Like they were talking about, Right? Or they eat bugs for lunch and stuff like that. I like burgers, not bugs. The third thing the Bible says about my future is this. God will be with me every step of the way. He's going to be with me. Hebrews 13.5, God has said, neither will I leave you Never will I forsake you. None of us knows what's going to happen next year. How many of you in 2019 had 2020 on lockdown? You knew. We're going to have a vacation of sorts. No. None of us knew, right? None of us knew. If we knew, it would have been different. It would have been worse. How many of you know that? It would have been worse. God says, I'm with you always. I've always been with you. I'm always going to be with you. I'm going to keep being with you. You're never going to go through it alone because I'm with you. The Lord is with me. I think that'd be a great thing for you to teach your children, right? When anxiety comes, when fear rears its ugly head, you need to tell them, teach them to tell themselves, the Lord is with me. God is with me. The one who caused David to be as strong as he was, God is with me. Right? The one that gave Solomon his wisdom. God is with me. 
Over and over and over again. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. All of them. All of them. How many of you have fears in your life? Raise your hand. Yes, I got both hands up. You can't really see. But I have to rely on God to deliver me from the fears that I have. Yes? And for every fear that is, that is out there, God has a corresponding attribute of himself, something about his character that will attack that thing. His personality, his nature, it corresponds with every fear that you've got. Our fears either come from not understanding or not trusting various aspects of God's character. That's where our fears come from. And if you would like to get over your fears, the secret is to get to seek the Lord. We've got to seek the Lord, as Viktor Frankl found that little bitty piece of paper down in the pocket of those pants and he pulls it out in the most darkest place of his life, he sees those two words and it fills his life with hope, right? What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? I'm gonna talk to you for just a couple seconds. It'll be longer than that. Don't fear. A few minutes about God's guarantees for your future. God's guarantees for your future. 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. He cannot disown himself. If someone ever asks you, is there anything God can't do? Say yes, he cannot be unfaithful. What can I trust God for? Everything he's promised. Everything he's promised, that's what I can trust him for. Psalm 145, verse 13, the Lord is faithful in all of his promises. He's faithful, every one of them. He cannot break a promise, right? Write these down in your notes if you would, or, or, or somewhere, take some notes if you can. I can depend on God to guide me when I'm confused. When I'm confused, if I'm going to stay out of the cave, if I'm not going back into the cave. How many of you have ever had some confusing times in life? Yeah? If I'm, gonna, if I'm going to depend on God, I've got to have him, his guidance when I am confused. Not when I agree with where he's leading me, but where I, when I'm confused with what he's doing. It's important because, the, it, because part of our fear of the future is not knowing, not knowing where you're going to go. Not knowing what is ahead. Those anxious moments of not knowing. You know, it's going to be a new situation. You think, how am I supposed to act? I don't know what to do in this new season of my life. I don't know what to do. Our family, we just we recently moved here, like I said, July 1st. We, we served as pastors in Tucumcari for 23 years. And then I come home one day and I tell the family, hey, I think God might be doing something. He might be moving us. Moving us? It's the only place my kids have ever lived. They were born there. Moving us? Yes. God's got a a different assignment, a new assignment for us. That's confusing. Right? Because we'd been bold in the declaration that God had brought us to that place to lead and pastor that group of people. God had done amazing things over the, the, those, those years while we were there. But God had a different plan. And when that happens, it filled all of our hearts with questions. All of our minds with questions. And, and I, 
I'm not going to stand here and tell you there weren't some cave moments along that journey. But will we depend on God? Life's complex, is it not? And I'll just tell you, there's no easy solutions. Yet God says, because of my faithfulness, you can trust me. How many believe you can trust the Lord? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely upon what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. The right way. I want to do the right thing. I want to go the right way. Amen? So the issue is this. When you come to decision-making in your future of Who's, who's going to be your source of advice? Who's going to be the loudest voice internally for you? Who are you going to listen to? What's going to be that, that source of authority? Who's it going to be when you know what to do or when you don't know what to do and when you're confused, who's that going to be? Let me give you some options. Option one, I could, I could listen to a group of people that don't know all the details and they think maybe I call them my friends and ask them what to do and they could be as wrong as me. Option A, right? How many of you have taken option A before? I have, right? Some of you took option A and you married her. (laughs) Or him, right? Now you're looking back on that going, whew, we should have taken option B. If you're still married to them, thank God for redemption. <laughs> Smile at me. Some of you are like, We're not, it's not redeemed yet. <laughs> There's coming. The Lord, right? The Lord. <laughs> Secondly, you could do something crazy like read your horoscope. Right? People do this. I, I, I grew up thinking all that was hogwash anyway. And then I got to realizing that people actually believe in that garbage. Like, are you serious? I thought those were just numbers on the back of the fortune cookie. Right? You could, you could poll social media. <laughs> that right there is going to get you some good stuff, isn't it? That's some solid material. Or you could trust the Lord who's never failed you or anyone else. Pretty good track record, yes? I'm just here to tell you, he's, he's the only one that's 100% totally reliable about your future. God knows. He knows. And scripture says, acknowledge him and he'll show you the way to go. How do we do this? How do we, how do, we do that? Yeah, how, how do we get the guidance from God when we're confused? Guys, I, I want to bring something real profound to you today, but this is it. Read your Bible and then pray. Okay? I mean, I, I know it's deep, but read your Bible. Do what it says. God knew, so he gave it to you so that you could know. Let's, let's, let's talk to you and then let's talk to God, right? Let the Bible talk to you. Then you talk to God about what it's saying to you. 
God will lead you and develop a line of communication in that way. God says, you, you don't need to fear the future because he's going to be with you along the way. God is there. Trust in, say it with me, the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Yes. Trust in the Lord. I can trust in God. Next in your notes, write this down. I can trust in God to support me when I'm overwhelmed. You ever feel overwhelmed? No doubt we feel overwhelmed. The speed of change in our world is unbelievable at this moment of history. Do you realize how quickly things are changing? Right? We just moved into our neighborhood and there were no houses just up the hill from us. Guess what they're building? We had a view. Now we don't. We've been here two months. Things change quickly. Right? Really, really quickly. New technology is happening all the time. Things that we take for granted every single day we, that we didn't have t- around 10 years ago, now we have them. Some of them really, really awesome. Right, somebody? Really incredible things. But I'm just telling you, things change so fast. Look what Isaiah chapter 42 says, verse 2 and 3. When you go through deep waters in great trouble, I will be what? With you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up, for I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. He's saying, Get the message. Hello? Right? You don't need to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will be there. You can rely on me. I'll be right by you. You can trust in the Lord. The strength that I need will come when I need it if I'm trusting in him. Don't worry about tomorrow, scripture said. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow for each day has enough trouble of its own. I found that to be actual facts, right? Fortunately, it doesn't come all at once. It comes in little 24-hour nugget-sized pieces, right? That's how trouble comes to us. The problem is, is that's not how we, that's not how we keep tabs of it. We pile today's trouble on yesterday's trouble. Sometimes we do that because we didn't allow the Lord to lead us yesterday. Come on. So today we find ourselves piling on, right? The third aspect of the future that worries us is the unfairness that we see in the world. You read the paper and think, well, that's just not fair. It seems like today unfairness is increasing, right? Criminals go scot-free after, after spending millions of dollars on taxpayers' money on a three-year trial, and then they go free. Innocent people suffer, dishonest people prosper. It doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't seem fair. God never said it was fair on the earth. This is how I've said it over the years. People often want fair. What should be fair? Let me tell you what fair is. Fair is on your kid's birthday, you buy them gifts and the kid down the street. Same thing. Well, how's your kid going to feel about that? Now it's not special for them, is it? I'm telling you, no one really wants fair at the end of the day, but we often talk about fair. This is an imperfect place. Come on, everybody. 
The earth is marred by sin. There will be prejudice. There will be mistakes. There will be injustice. You're going to be let down by people. People will take advantage of you. People will cheat you. There's going to be unfairness all over the place. The question is, how am I going to handle it? What am I going to do with it? There used to be a, a, an article in every month's a version, I remember reading these in my grandmother's house called the Reader's Digest. How many of you ever read the Reader's Digest? Proving how old I am right now. But there was an article in the Reader's Digest called That's Outrageous. That's what it was titled. And it's on the stupidity and of unfairness in our society today. Now, the culture has, as a culture, you know that we have embraced political correctness, right? You have to worry about what you say, otherwise... Somebody's going to sue you because you said a wrong word. It's crazy. Like a bald person isn't bald. They're follically challenged. Right? A short person isn't short. He's vertically challenged. Right? I'm not, I'm not overweight. I'm nutritionally enhanced. Right? Here's the deal. I'm just too short for my weight. It's okay. I understand. You got to use the right words, right? <laughs> you guys get to know me. You'll love me. I promise. I have these little sayings. Pastor Jason has them written down in a book. It's going to be fun. Listen, life isn't fair. You're going to be misjudged. You're going to be mistreated. You're going to be cheated and ripped off. Some of you are like, thank you for the encouragement and hope. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when this happens? Listen, don't waste one moment of your future seeking revenge. The word of God says to let him handle it. God says, let me handle it for I am faithful, right? I'm taking care of it for you. I'm taking care of things. I, I can depend on God to defend me when I'm offended. Man, I'm going to say that again. Some of you need to know it. You can, defend, you can depend on God to defend you when you are offended. And then you can keep your mouth shut. Come on. You might have been hurt by people. Do you think God didn't see that? I tell everyone in my life, I'm God's favorite. He sees everything that happens to me, good and bad. He's got me. Of course God sees. Of course he knows. And he's with you. Come on, church. If you've given your life to Christ, he's with you. He's with you. God gives you two options. Either you can defend yourself against injustice, or you didn't let God defend you. It's our choice. He loves us enough to give us the choice. Now, here's the question. Who do you think is going to do a better job defending you? Let's just, take, let's just take life up until now. You are God. Yeah, God, every time. Every time. The Bible also says I can depend on God to reward me when I'm faithful. This will make some people uncomfortable. Oh, no, I'm just lowly. I'm just a 
way down here. God doesn't have to reward me. No, no, you can (laughs) understand this. You're a child of God. He gets to reward you. Yeah, come on, give him a hand. You're a child of God. You can count on him to reward you when you're faithful. When When I do what he wants me to do, come on, everybody. It's not overlooked. It's not overlooked. I can count on God to reward me at some point. Many times we're tempted to doubt. Why be good? Nobody really cares. No one's going to see. No one's going to know. Right? But God knows. Why have the ethics? Why, why, why have the ethics in business when everyone else is cutthroat? When everyone else, it's man for himself. Right? Every man for himself. No, no one will notice. No, God notices. God notices that you're really trusting in him for your future. He really, he notices and he will reward that. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unfair. God is not unfair. He will not forget all that you have done, nor the loving labor which you have shown for his sake. The Bible says even a cup of cold water given in his name will be rewarded. Come on, church. Reward. I love, I love, you know why we wanted to be a part of Harvest? I'll just tell you, because you're a church that does things outside the walls of the church. You're a church who loves the city. You're a church who is in relationship with people outside these walls, who loves this city, who has a, a mind to be about what God's heart is and that that is everyone should come to salvation. It really comes down to this. Do I trust God? Do I trust him? If, if I believe God will do what he says he'll do, I trust in his faithfulness, there's nothing to be afraid of. So do you trust him? If on the other hand, I don't really believe God is who he is, who he says he is, I'll take matters into my own hands. I'll believe it all relies upon my effort. I'll work like a slave to accomplish what I never could. Or I could trust the Lord. What are you going to do? Some of you during this series... It's come to light. God has stirred some things in your heart that you know God is at work. God wants to heal. God wants to lead. God wants to provide for you in ways that maybe you haven't allowed him to. But this morning, once again, God is saying, let me be the Lord over your life. Philippians 4.13, I love this passage of scripture. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Some of you, this is it. Are you going to allow him to empower you? I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who influences me with inner strength into me. I want God to empower me. Come on, church. 
How many of you today want the, want the Lord to empower your life, to take you from where you are? You may, be, you may feel like you are trapped in that cave of unknown. You don't know what to do next. You don't know where to turn. You're unsure who to talk to. I've tried to encourage you this morning. Talk to him. Rely upon him. Lean on him. Come on. Know that he's with you. And even the darkest moments of life. God speaks. Can you imagine being that, that man of faith who had his family stripped away from him? In the darkest moment, he stuck his hand down in his pocket. And he pulled out that little, that little two-word note. That said the Lord. What would that do to infuse power, faith into him to know he was going to be okay? That's the God we serve, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Amen. Can we just take some time to worship him? And then we'll, we'll conclude in just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.